Today's daf is daf Nun Zayin, page 57 in the Heligim Seches Babakama. And we pick up on daf Nun Zayin, Amud Aleph, with Esvei. Let's call it uh, 10 lines from the top of the Amud. All right, 10 lines from the top of the daf. Esvei La'ilam. Let's remind ourselves of what we are learning through. So, we have a fascinating machlekes between uh, Rabbah and Rabbi Yosef. When somebody finds a lost object, you become a Shemir Chinam. Are you a Shemir Chinam? Because Lamaise, practically speaking, says Rabbah, you are unpaid. Or says Rabbi Yosef, no. You're considered a Shemir Sacher, you're considered a paid watcher when you find it. Why? Because two, two separate Nakudas, two separate points, but really that come together. One is A, the fact that I would save money by being Isaac Bemitz if a poor person would come to me. I wouldn't have to give him that cash because I'm involved in Hashavah Saveda. <coughs> Excuse me. That itself is considered payment. Just having that ability is considered, uh, is considered payment. And then another layer of that, as we saw, is that the Torah really hires me to return the lost object in that it's against, you know, it, it's kind of like a, against my will. You're not allowed to hide from the object that was found. And therefore, with these two things, Rabbi Yosef says, you're considered a paid watcher. Now, what's the practical difference in halacha? So if it gets lost or stolen. If I'm a shemer chinam, if I'm considered an unpaid watcher and it gets lost or stolen, the halacha is, I am off the hook. I'm not responsible. On Gneva Vaveda. However, if I'm a shemer sachar, if I'm considered a paid watcher like Rabbi Yosef, I, am consi- I, I would be responsible on Gneva Vaveda, on theft. And if the item would be stolen, we don't know who's correct. So let's keep going through this, uh, this machlekes and try to prove who's correct. So Isve, they asked a challenging question. About 10 lines from the top of the death. If I find something, until I give it back to the owner, if it gets stolen or lost, I am responsible. Okay. That's, that seems to be like a paid watcher. Shemer Sacha. My La'ilam. What does La'ilam mean? You're always responsible. Lava Filim Beis doesn't mean that even if it gets uh, stolen or lost from his house, Shmami Naka Shemer Sacha. Dummies are considered a paid watcher. Now, what's with that extra phrase? Right? It seems if it gets lost or stolen, what does it mean? Aren't we dealing with where it gets lost or stolen from his house? So the reason why the Gemara is saying that phrase is because if it would get lost or stolen from a place of negligence, then even a Rachinim would be responsible. Even if you're unpaid, you're negligent, Pashat. So we're saying, we're not dealing with negligence. It was in your house. You went shopping in Schnucks. And uh, you came back. It was lost or stolen. <coughs> so you're chayef. You're responsible. That means you're a paid watcher. And Rabbi Yosef is correct. Omar Lehi says, Rabbi, back to Rabbi Yosef. No, my din Allah, listen to this. Over the, where that's dealing with animals, things that are alive. The kivan denakti lehu negra beriasa by netirusa yaserasa. Says Rabbi like this: You're a shaymer chinam. You're unpaid. And if you want to know why you're chayav on kneiba baveda, if usually an unpaid watcher a shaymer chinam is not responsible on theft and loss, I'll tell you what: because it's a live animal, and live animals, even a shaymer chinam, even an unpaid watcher is responsible on. In this, in this setting, why? Here's the reason. You saw this. It's basic, it's logic. Once you hear it, it's logic, but it's foundational. Because people, some people don't have the seichel. 
How did you become a Shemer Chinam in this case? How did you become an unpaid watcher? You found the animal. Which means the animal has established itself as a wandering animal. And once a kid does something, you can expect it to do it again. If you're a teacher in a classroom, once your class behaves a certain way, you can expect it to happen again. And then there's other times where you don't have a proven track record in that way, and therefore you can give the classroom some flexibility. Or you can give that specific child some flexibility, or that specific friend some flexibility within the relationship because they haven't gone there yet. So you don't need to be ultra careful. But over here, how did you become a Shemachinam? Says Rabbah, because this animal got lost. It's a wandering, it's, it's a wandering animal. And Memela says, Rabbah, I'll agree that you're responsible on Aveda or Gneva in, uh, in such a case. But you're, in other words, Rabbah's wiggling out. He says, I'm not wrong. You still could be a Shamrachinam over here and be responsible. Okay. Now Rabbah starts to ask challenging questions back on Rabbi Yosef. Hashav, it says in the Tehreh, when you find the lost object, you shall surely return it. It says, Hashav to Shivim. Okay, now, you should surely return it. Aim the yellow I would say, how do you return something? What does it mean? Do you put it directly into his house? Can I put it in the, in, the, in the owner's courtyard? Let's say I find something with a sign, and I know who the owner is. Or the owner calls me up, he's like, hey, Temler, it's mine. Like, Dad, no problem, I'll drop it off. What, if I put it into his courtyard, how do I know that's considered returning and I am now no longer the watcher? Talmud Laimar Teshivim, Mikol Malkim, it says, Hashiv, return it. Teshivim means anywhere you want. It's a double expression of returning. Return it, return it. Let's get it back. No, is it in his dining room? No. Backyard? Cool. What does it mean to put in, that you're allowed to put in his garden or his chorva? A chorva is like a broken down shed or something like that, right? Something that's not really in use. If those things are watched, what does it mean it's watched? That when I throw it into my neighbor's backyard, it's protected. Why should that be different than his house? It's obvious. You could even return it to a courtyard that's not watched and to a chorva that's not watched. Wow. Now, if you're allowed to do that, it must be that you are a Shemrachinam. Now, why must this be that you're a Shemrachinam? So the Mefarshim, the commentators explain over here, because a Shemr Sachar, when you're a paid watcher, you need to do a better Shmira. From the fact that you're paid gives you greater responsibility, much stronger responsibility on, on uh, protecting it. From the fact that I'm even allowing the person to put it into a backyard or a chorva that's unprotected is a raya or shemrachinam. You don't need to uh, to have a top notch a top notch uh, uh, protection. Amar says Rabbi Yosef to respond. No, Rabbi, you're not necessarily correct. That you're shemrachinam. We're dealing with the Torah teaching me you could return it to a protected, watched over courtyard in Chorvam. So if you can ask me, so why is it different than the house? Yeah, same thing. This is going to ask, I, same as this house, same as you. No, there's an added chiddush, added novel idea. I could return it even when you don't 
even when the owner is not aware, which means like this. I find something. I know who the owner is. Can I just go and drop it off in his backyard? Without telling him. I'll just put it in your property. I could, you, you could, I've probably done this. Right? Yeah. So, your neighbor's uh, ball rolls down the street. You recognize it's from their yard. You take it, you throw it back into their yard. You did a Shabbos Aveda. But the neighbor himself doesn't know that it's there. Is it called a returning... Excuse me, in that I've absolved myself from all responsibility. Says Rabbi Yosef, that's the Chiddush. That yes, it's considered, it's considered returning even if you don't tell the owner. I'm going to prove this. Kid Rabbi Lazar. Like Rabbi Lazar says, Dama Rabbi Lazar, Lazar says, Hakol Trichim Das Bailim. In general, if you're returning something back to the owner, you need to let the owner know because of the Svar that Yale said before. Don't just put something in my backyard and not tell me. Now, what do you mean in general? In general means, if I steal something from you, I have to let you know I'm returning it. If I borrow something from you, I borrow your lawnmower, and I want to give it back, and I knock, knock on your door, and you're not home. So I go around, and I slip it through your backyard. Close the fence. It's now protected. You come home, there's no lawnmower around. Is it considered returned? No. In general, Except when I put back a, 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 a mitzvah situation of a shavas aveda shaharei ribsa tyra hashavas harbe because the tyra says hashev the shivim just get it back to the owner. Now you could say this is logic too, right? And this is I think there's a there's a profound idea over here that's crucial for us to know, um, and it's crucial for the way that we're machanich our families and friends and communities. And that is, the Rebbe Shalalem is not here to make mitzvahs difficult. If mitzvahs are difficult, stop and figure out why. What is it? Yeah, this is something that my father, Zuchar Nalracha, would drill into me. Whenever my Yiddishkeit was getting heavy, he would say, The ways of the Torah are pleasant. If it's making your life complicated, that's your problem, figure it out. That means you're not doing it right. And the same thing holds true with how we're mechanic our children, the way we're mechanic our families, the way we're mechanic our communities. It's, it, life's not here to be difficult. Mitzvahs are not here to, to make it complicated and hard and, and to make your life stressful. Mitzvahs shouldn't be causing us anxiety. Mitzvahs are here to give us a mahalach, a path. You should know halacha, what does halacha mean? Halacha doesn't mean law. The word halacha is halach. It's a way to go. It's a path. I have a, I have a, I have a, I have a halicha. I have a path. It makes life simpler. The mitzvahs are here to make life simpler. So when it comes to Ashavas Avedel, Rabbi Shalom says, listen, I know you didn't ask for this mitzvah, but you came across something that needs to be returned and you're not allowed to turn a blind eye to it. Like Sucha Lezalim. To get, to get it back, I'm not going to make it hard on you. Don't worry. But it makes it easier. Shabbos Avedel, eh, make it easier. Make it easier. I'll tell you, uh, uh, you know, one last idea on this point from Rav Matasyo, Rav Matasyo Solomon's Zalzayin Gezunt, Shev Rav Fushalema. It's a beautiful idea that he shared at a Torah Masora convention maybe uh, 20, 30 years ago. He says that the, the theme of the convention was teaching our students to be mekabel o malchushamayim. Teaching the students to accept the yoke of heaven. Torah Masora is a chinuch Right, it's a it's a chinuch organization, Torah chinuch. So speeches and speeches and speeches about the oil malchus shemayim and that. 
And towards the end of Shabbos, Rav Matasyo spoke. And Rav Matasyo said, Obviously, many of us here have never been farmers. <clears throat> he says, let me explain what a yoke is. And where a yoke comes from. Before a yoke was invented, they would hitch a plow to an ox, whatever animal it was, and they would hit the animal, and the animal would start going. After a little bit of time, the animal would get uncomfortable, and whatever reins they attached to it were pulling at its neck and at its legs and whatever sort of contraption they put together, and it got, the animal would stop. Say, I'm not doing this no more, I'm sorry. You have to hit it again and hit it and hit it. Maybe you got a little more work out of it. Until somebody came up with a yoke. What a yoke did is it made the plowing more comfortable for the animal so it would be willing to do it again. If you want to teach your mishpuchas and your tamidim how to be makabal, how to accept the yoke of heaven, show them how it makes your life easier, not more difficult, not more stressful. To accept the yoke of heaven means to create a yoke so that Torah and mitzvahs are, obviously you don't always have to love it, enjoy it, but the overall mahalach hachayim, the path of life, has to be like a yoke. That um, the Torah and mitzvahs is something that's here to, to allow the work to get done in an easier and more pleasant fashion. And that's what Rebbe Lazar is explaining over here by hakol trichem das if you're just if, you're, if you borrow something and return it, we're going to make you do a little bit more. That was your own accord. If the Torah says, Hashav Teshivim, you should surely return it, then we're going to take it a little easier. Don't, 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 don't mach meshug on it. Don't just get it back. It was in the guy's backyard. It's still considered returning. We're not, try, we're not here to make the mitzvah more difficult. Okay, bottom line is, we still don't have a proof who is correct when it comes to returning, uh, when it comes to when you find the lost object, am I a shemrechinam? Am I an unpaid watcher like Raba, and I'm not responsible on on uh, on gneva vaveda on loss and theft, or am I uh, considered a paid watcher like Rabbi Yosef, and I am responsible? We still don't know. So here we go. Amalei Abayi Rabbi Yosef Abaye says to his beloved Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef, like his brother shemrechinam dami, my dear Rebbe, how I don't understand. You taught us that a person who finds a lost object is a shomer chinam, is an unpaid watcher. Now, until now, Rabbi Yosef has been saying you're considered a paid watcher. Ask about this, Rabbi, one second. You taught us in Shir that you're considered an unpaid watcher when you find something. And here we go. said in the name of If somebody claims that something was stolen, that a thief took something. So, I find a lost object. The owner comes and my mind tells me, you know what? I know I wanted to do a mitzvah, but I really like that. I'm just going to tell the owner it was lost or stolen. And it turns out you're busted. You're the thief because it was never lost or stolen. Okay? Now what? So in general, a thief a thief is somebody who steals as a coward, undercover, scared. You pay back double. You don't only pay back the principal, you pay back double. Because you're being taught, oh, you're scared of people, but you're not scared of Hashem. Okay? A thief pays back double. A robber, 
a robber who's a public uh, stealer, yeah, um, doesn't pay kefil. He doesn't pay back double. I think I've told you the story of my grandfather, my Zaidi Isaac. He, uh, when he came over from uh, Europe, so he got smicha in YU. Actually, my, both my grandfathers uh, were in the first graduating smicha class from YU. Uh, they didn't. Uh, they weren't that close as classmates. Very different personalities. We have a picture of them from their YU uh, smicha graduation. Um, so anyway, my Zaidi Isaac, uh, he used. He, he was legally blind, but he had a car, so he was able to drive. But he did. He couldn't park. He couldn't park. What he would do is he'd drive wherever he had to go, and he'd get out of the car in the middle of the street, and most of the cops knew him. He left his keys in the car, and the cops would park the car for him. That's usually that's usually what happened. He was a chaver man. He used to, Rabbi Herbert tells me stories the whole day about my Zadie Isaac. I never had this chutz to meet him, but he'd explain. He'd give sheer with his cigar. He'd tell jokes, and he had piles of svarim, and he'd quote from here. There is apparently very. Uh, so anyway, he got pulled over once by a police officer, and the police officer the police officer pulled him over for speeding. Pulled over my Zadie Isaac. So my Zadie Isaac rolls down his window, and the police officer says, "License and registration." And my Zadie Isaac says, Ich bin a Raber. He's like, what? He says, I'm a Raber. The officer's like, you're, you're a robber? He says, yeah, yeah, I'm a robber. He's trying to say I'm a rabbi. But <laughs> he's telling the officer he's a robber. The officer got a little confused until he finally straightened out that he's trying to say he's a clergy member. But anyway, is, uh, I think uh, he, he gave a little surprise. Uh, <laughs> I'm a Raber. <laughs> okay. Fine. So, uh, how do we get on to that? Echveznisht. Um, so, oh, a robber. That's how I remember the word. A robber. A robber pays back once. You pay back the principal. A thief pays back twice. Now, here's the question. If I find a lost object and the owner comes to claim it and I hold on to it and I'm busted, am I a thief or a robber? Am I going to pay back once or am I going to pay back double? So, says Rabbi Chia Barabba, Mishalim Tashlume Kefel, you're a thief. You're going to pay back double. But if you're going to say that we consider the finder of the lost object a paid watcher, why are we paying him double? He's going to have to pay for the principal amount anyway. Beautiful question. Listen here. If the finder is a Shemer Sachar and the owner comes and the, and the finder says it's lost or stolen, what's going to happen to him? He's going to pay. He's still stealing the object because the guy really wants his object back. But you're not saying, oh, so I'm not giving you anything. If you're a shimer chinam and you're not obligated on lost or stolen, I could get why we consider you a thief. But if you're considered a shimer sachar and he's going to have to pay anyway for the object, why are you called a thief? You get the question. You get the proof. It's beautiful. Why are we calling him a thief? He's going to be paying for it. Omar Lehi. Rabbi Yisif says back to his Talmud, I'll tell you the difference. Usually, follow this as a new layer. Usually, a thief, I'm sorry, usually a finder of a lost object is a Shemer Sachar, is a hired watcher, which would be responsible on theft and stolen but not when it's an ones. An ones means something is totally out of my control. So what would happen in the following case? I find the lost object, 
you come to claim it. And when you come to claim it, I say, I'm sorry, I know I put up a sign, but bandits came and took it away. There, I'm not responsible. Usually I'm responsible when things are stolen, says Rabbi Yosef, because you're considered paid. But over here you wouldn't be, because you're called an Inus. And an Inus, you're off the hook on. Amar Lehi, Abai says back, one second. List the Mizuyan, if you're an armed bandit, that's a robber, that's not a thief. That's somebody doing this publicly. Answers the Gemara in incredible psychology. Omar Lehi says Rabbi Yosef back to Abai, wrong Bandits are not, are not robbers. Bandits are thieves. You know why? Shani Aymer list the Mizuyim. Kivan demi tamar mi inshi. Since they're cowards, ganavu. You're a thief. What's a thief? You're scared of people. A guy shows up with a gun. A guy shows up with a machete. You say, hey, dude, you want my stuff? Pick up a fist. Why are you coming with a gun? Because you're scared. Just like a ganav. Says Rabbi Yosef, Armed bandits are the same halacha as thieves, and you got to pay back double. Okay. Now, bottom line is, there's no challenge on Rabbi Yosef, and let's get an overview. Let's, let's just make sure we understand the whole broad picture. We tried challenging Rabbi Yosef. Rabbi Yosef, I don't understand. You're saying the guy's considered a paid watcher, but if you're a paid watcher, how is he going to get off the hook by claiming Geneva Vaveda when the owner shows up? You should be responsible. The answer is, he claimed the armed bandits. Claimed it was a good list, and therefore he would have been off the hook. Now that he's not off the hook, he's going to have to pay back double. I, why double? They're armed. I know, that's why you're paying back double, because they're cowards. It's interesting to note, even in the English language, and I, I'm assuming this is the reason, I don't know, but what's an arm? It's when, you, when we use an expression to pick up arms, this is an arm. It's, it's expected that the human... Like the, the human body itself is one's normal arms. And when people go outside of their bodies, that's an expression of being scared in general. This is, I'm assuming that's why you pick up arms. You lay arms, that expression, right? It's, it's, it's because this is the, this is the kayak that, uh, that we have uh, um, to, to uh, either protect or to or to fight to, to get something. Okay. Viter. Here we go. Bottom line is we don't have a proof who's correct, and we still have our machlaikas. Aceve, they asked another challenging question. We now turn to the top of Nun Zion, Amud Bay's If you're gonna consider the finder to be a Shomerchinam, so then if he lies about it being stolen or lost, he's a thief. Okay, he's doing this undercover. He's trying to get out of it. And it makes sense why you pay double. If you're a Shemir Sachar, you're not going to pay Kefel. Why? Because you're, by claiming it's lost or stolen, you're going to have to pay back the principal anyway. So it's not considered real theft. Now, if you're going to tell me that an armed bandit is a thief, it's going to come out that by a Shemir Sachar, you could pay back double when B'tayin Tainas list in Even by a Shemir Sachar, you could pay back double. I'll tell you why. Even if you're a paid watcher, if you claim a bandit came, you would have been off the hook, which makes you a thief. And when you're proven wrong, and it turns out that you were just keeping it in your house, you would pay back 
double. So you do find the case. Right now we've been saying up until now, uh, if you're paying back double, it must be your Shem Rechinam. No. Maybe your Shem Rechinam that pays double and, and you time the bandits. Right? You claimed there was a bandit. Amar Lai. Rabbi Yisif says back to this Talmud, Hachi Gamar, what you meant is like this. Lai, Rabbi Yisif says back to this Talmud, Hachi Gamar, what you you always can end up paying back double. Because you're always off the hook. You say that by Hashem Rezachar. You're not going to say it by Hashem Rezachar. It's only one time where you, where you pay that back. Okay, so Fine. Bottom line is, Rabbi Yisif says, you're right. <clears throat> you could come up with a case where Hashem Rezachar pays double, but if you're going to be talking about Kefel in conversation, and I were to ask you, oh, you know, there's, there's a type of Shemer that pays back Kefel. Your mind's going to go to Shem Rechinam as opposed to Shem Rechinam. Because Shem Rechinam could, in a random case of armed bandits, Shem Rechinam is going to have a hundred other cases. They're going to be paying back double. So you know, you understand that you're dealing with uh, a strong majority of the cases. Fine. Now, again, what we're doing over here now is less as much about the Machleka Shab Yosef and Rabbah, Shem Rechinam or Shem Rechinam, and it's more about the status of an armed bandit. Right? How do we view... How do we view uh, armed bandits? All right. Isvei, that's not a challenging question. If I borrow an animal to work my field, or I borrow a lawnmower to mow my grass, and the animal dies, or the lawnmower faints, the halacha is, I got to pay back the owner or stop working. I only know that if I borrow something and it breaks or dies, I need to pay back. How do I know that if I borrow something and it gets lost or stolen, I'm responsible to pay back the owner? We'll say it's logic. Just like when I'm a paid watcher. Where in general, if, I, if you pay me to watch something, okay? And Shvura Umesa. And something goes wrong with it while it's in my property. I'm um, I'm off the hook. But I'm responsible. Shayal a borrower. who's responsible when it gets broken or, or dies. This is a very strong kavachemer, which is bottom line. Basically, a borrower. If you borrow something from somebody else, you are responsible no matter what. Across the board. <clears throat> Anything goes wrong, you're shouldering the bird. Now, the Esau, if you're going to tell me that armed bandits are considered thieves, why can't we upslug? Why can't we refute this logic? By saying the following, you're going to pay back by double, by list museum. Listen to this, is gewalt. See, we're saying a borrower is always more strict than a paid watcher. Got that? We're saying now in the Gemara, we're always more strict on a borrower or something going wrong than if I'm a hired watcher. Borrowers are, call it, have the worst time, the most responsibility. Says the Gemara, one second. I'll find you a case where a borrower's law is lenient, more lenient than a, than a paid watcher in the following case. If it gets lost or stolen. Okay? 
and there's a, I'm sorry, not lazul, by uh, armed bandit. Listen, an armed bandit comes to, um, uh, the owner comes to a borrower and says, give it back. The borrower says, an armed bandit took it. What is the owner going to say to the borrower? I'll tell you what he's going to say. Do you want to pay cash or do you want to sell me? Right? I don't really care if it's an armed bandit. It doesn't matter to me. You're responsible. Case number two. I hire a watcher. I say, okay, I'm coming back for my thing. The watcher, the Shemir Sakhar says, uh, an armed bandit came. What am I going to say to him? Okay, you're butter. Right? You're an uh, armed bandit. That's an anus. It's not regular loss or theft. I can't tell him to, to sell me. He's going to be off the hook. Okay? Now listen. What happens if the whole thing was a lie? And we find it in the Shemer Sachar's property. What's the Shemer Sachar going to have to pay the owner? How much? Double. Do you, so here we go. Says the Gemara. Do you ever find the case of a borrower paying double? No, because the owner will always say, cash or sell. But a Shemer Sachar could pay double because he would be off the hook by an armed bandit. And therefore, says the Gemara, don't tell me there's not going to find the case where Shemer Sachar is, is more strict than Shoyel. There absolutely could be a case. Beautiful question. Okay? And from the fact that we're saying that there's, there, there's uh, no possibility, obviously the, obviously the, the Tana holds that the, um, you're never going to have Kefel by a Shemer Sachar. Why would there never be Kefel of a Shemer Sachar? Here's the next layer. Because he'll say that an armed bandit is a regular robber. Maybe he'll say it's, yeah, there's no, uh, there's no kefil by an armed bandit. Amar Leir, basically says back to him, no, Kosovar Haitana, this Tana holds, Karnabal Shvua, paying Karim without a Shvua, Adifa Mikfeil is greater, is a, is a stronger halacha than kefil without a Shvua. So that's more a beautiful answer. And here's how it works. Finances, cover. this is finances right here. This is a big mistake many of us make financially, Okay. What did we just say? Let's chazer over. Let's review this. Follow this. this is a beautiful svara, beautiful logic. We just said a shemer sachar, a paid watcher, could be more have a more strict law than a borrower. Why? Because a borrower pays right away, automatically. But the hired watcher, even though he might not pay right away, but once he's busted, he's going to pay double. So you see, we're strict on a hired watcher. Says Reb Yosef, wrong. The fact that I pay double when a hired watcher tries to get out of it is not a stronger halacha. It's a weaker halacha because it is greater. It is stronger. It is a greater responsibility to have to pay automatically than to take a chance at a double payment. Which means when it comes to the owner, I have a chance at getting $50 for automatically from a borrower or risk the 50 bucks, but I might end up with 100 bucks. Who's in better shape? The one who's getting the 50 bucks for sure. Uh, but what about, uh, there's a chance I might get $100. What about that chance? $50, $50. It's right here. And therefore he says, granted a Shemer Sachar might end up paying double. But you might end up paying nothing. It's a greater penalty 
to have to pay 50 than to take a chance at getting nothing and ending up uh, and ending up with uh, and ending up with double. Here, here we go. A person rents a cow to his friend, then it gets stolen. And the guy says, I'm going to pay. And I'm not going to swear. And afterwards, the ganav is found. The thief pays. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? It's beautiful. Listen to this. I mamish. I, I commiserate with this. I commiserate with this. A renter has to pay on Ganeva Vabida. Okay? Here's what happens. I rent a cow. I go to Hertz, rent a cow, and I rent a cow, and the cow is stolen. <clears throat> I say, now usually a renter is not responsible for that stolen. Okay, it's like a nine, it's taken away. But you need to swear that it got stolen. Okay? I'm like, you know what? Instead of me swearing, I'm just going to pay you. You rent me a cow, I get stolen, I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to pay. I commiserate with this. There's times where like I get charged for things. And you just, you're not interested in barking up the tree of bureaucracy or spending hours on the phone fighting a specific number charge. Like, you know what? I'm not responsible for it. It's somebody else's thing, but I'm just going to pay it. I, it's, it's just, push it, I can't. It, it, it's not worth it for me. Then what happens is, so the renter pays back Hertz. Instead of swearing. Then the thief is found. It actually was stolen. The thief pays the renter double. He doesn't pay Hertz double. He pays the renter because when the renter paid Hertz, he becomes the new owner. And now he's going to pay back the renter. Okay? The, the God of pays back the uh, double. Now, They thought... That this is following the pin of Rabbi Yehuda says a renter is like a paid washer. And since the renter says, I will pay, I, I prefer to pay and not swear. We can imply, if he wanted, he could have sworn and gotten off the hook. He wouldn't have had to pay. How would you not have paid if it was stolen? So uh, I said before that a renter is not obligated on stolen. You, you are, unless it's an armed bandit. Okay? So the case must be where it was an armed bandit who came and stole it from the renter. Vikatani, now we said, if the ganav is found after the renter pays hurts, you will pay double. So we're dealing with an armed bandit, and the armed bandit is paying double, which is a proof. This is a proof that an armed bandit is considered a coward like a ganav, and you pay back double. Says the Gemara, there's no proof that Listen Mizuyim is considered a, a thief. Amri, they said, Who says that we agree with the view in the first place? It says a renter is like a paid watcher. Remeir is of the opinion that a renter is like an unpaid watcher and you do not pay on things that are stolen, on Gneva Vaveda. And if so, it makes sense why there's a double payment even without it having anything to do with an armed bandit. Or if you want, you could say another approach. <clears throat> As Rabbi Baravua uh, switched around the teachings and he said, What are the laws of a renter? Rav Meir says, You're considered a paid watcher, which is obligated on theft and stealing. Rav Yeshua, who's not responsible. Rav Amar, excuse me. Rav says, what are we dealing with? In our case, the renter claimed it was an armed bandit. 
And it turns out that instead of it being an armed bandit, they weren't armed at all. It was stolen, but they weren't armed. Okay? So sometimes people, uh, they make it a, a bigger, uh, more dramatic. That a guy came in, he got guns blazing. The guy walked over, he said, give it to me. Right? But it made a big deal. So he claimed listed Mizuyim. It really wasn't listed uh, Mizuyim. Now, since it wasn't listed Mizuyim, he would be, uh, there, there is a responsibility to pay back double because the guy was just a, uh, a Ganav. <clears throat> and uh, that would be the case where you got to pay back the renter as opposed to paying back Hertz. Okay, we're going to hold it here for today at the two dots. And Bezshem pick up from the two dots on Matzi Shabbos at 6.30. Have a beautiful, wonderful Shabbos, everybody.